So we're already late today in starting. You know that, right, James? Are we? Were we supposed to start last night at uh, 9 p.m. the regular time? Well, okay, well, let's go back there in a couple seconds. We just met up here online over the last half hour, and I think we spent most of said 30 minutes figuring out what was wrong with my board. It was only one dial, huh? One dial. One, one dial, right? <laughs> so here's the story. And and this is and when you hear everything in full as James and I sit around for this space heater chat, you'll probably figure out why we started late and the mistake I'm about to tell you about. So on the new board that I bought. Uh, back in November, the uh, it's a Rodecaster Pro. There are eight dials on it, or eight levers. I guess we'll, we'll let's say dials. It sounds better. It sounds more audio professional. I guess there are f- eight dials on this. Four for each of the microphones. You can f- hook up to four microphones on this. One dial f- to. Listen to the audio or monitor the audio coming straight from a external source, probably a computer. One dial designed specifically for a to come from a phone, if you have a phone directly hooked up to it. One dial for a Bluetooth device. And then one final dial for anything going outside like the uh, sound pad that rests on the Rodecaster Pro. Basically, you can hear sounds like that. So for the last half hour, I tried to turn on the Rodecaster and couldn't hear James through the Rodecaster. I figured I had all the dials up, and I did, three of four of the dials, which I thought the sound would be coming through those channels. So, of course, the dial that it's supposed to be coming through, the channel that's supposed to be come through, coming through, is the one I didn't put up. And it took us almost half an hour to figure that out. Okay, let, let's... I'll, I'll, I'm being too hard on myself. 15 minutes. The good thing is, Mike, we didn't have to turn on and off the computer. We know that's always the solution. Or sure, but I, up, but I ended up logging in and out of Zencaster. <laughs> and I ended up power cycling the uh, Rodecaster twice and then checking all the connections, pulling out, the, pulling out all the uh, core, pulling out at least the USB cord once. We didn't shake the Rodecaster. You never know. No. no. <laughs> Shake it for luck. This is. Yeah. Okay. Where, uh, where do we want to start today? Do we want. I know we'll get to the anime stuff, the pop culture stuff a bit later. And, you know, th- this is par for the course for anything we do, any recording we do. We always talk a little bit about real life coming into each episode. I heard what, uh, spring is in the air. Uh... Not Mike looking outside. And the, and the bluebirds are uh, playing again, the Jays. And I hear well, the Jays, they, they're looking, they've been making moves. 
since uh, the lockout ended, so it's going to be interesting uh, to see them actually play if they stay healthy. And maybe to actually see some games too, right? Because they're actually going to be in Toronto and we may actually see some games at the Skydome. Well, full season, yes, not games beginning in August. But 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 you said it's a it's well, it is spring already. We are taping this on Sunday afternoon, March twenty seventh. But you wouldn't really know it's spring when you look outside, at least today. Yeah, March and April nice. can be fickle, right? They can go up and down, but yeah, it went really cold again. It went really warm and the rain uh, washed away the snow, and now it's gotten cold again below zero. Yeah, it's gotten cold and a little bit of snow. I saw a, little, a salting uh, truck go by. Actually, they were doing yeah. some salting on the roads for some reason. As of this moment, the current temperature in Toronto is minus four degrees. And I'm sure the wind chill is even less. Oh, well, yeah, pulls it down even less. So we are talking, I guess, in the, if we're talking Fahrenheit, we're talking into the 20s easily. I'd say mid-20s. Sounds about right, into the... Mid-low 20s, I guess, if we're talking Fahrenheit. And, you know, it's, you're right, it's, uh, it's, Typically unpredictable weather for this part of the world at this point in the year. So, yeah, minus four. I think um, barely the freezing mark today here in Toronto, which makes it a perfect day to clinch a World Cup berth for Canada. They'll be playing in Jamaica. a couple hours at BMO Field against Jamaica. Any result, as they say, a tie, a win, it'll clinch Canada's first birth in the World Cup and second altogether since the original one back in 1986. Yep, in Mexico. And they didn't even win a game in Mexico. They didn't even score a goal in Mexico, but people came away at least satisfied because... They just didn't realize we weren't going to qualify for something and we were going to hit those lows because we never even cracked where we are now in uh, the rankings. Like we well, did uh, for the last few years. We've been like in the 90s and probably even below 100. What's their current ranking? I think it's in the 40s now, right? Uh, we might have just got into the 30s. Okay. But I, I ones, know, but you never know. I know, I know they're within 50 again, I think. So there's a some certain poeticness that would happen if it happened against Jamaica today. Just and this is for reference, okay? This is just kind of going back in the time machine, and I'll tie. We'll tie it a little bit into the uh, into some anime stuff a bit later on. The before this qualifying run, I think the best run Canada had had in World Cup qualifying was like in 1998 when they got to the final six there. Correct, the and they had a good run until the final octagon and they just kind of oh, fell yeah. apart and they have a great story on Sportsnet about that yeah. too. It's, it's not an o- In 98, it wasn't an octagon. It was a hex. It was a six-team final round, right? It's, it, this time around, they CONCACAF changed the rules. The final round will contain contained eight teams, but back then it was six. Canada was there. They got to the, that was the last time they got to the final round of World Cup qualifying. And I think if memory serves me right, they didn't finish, well, obviously they didn't qualify. I think they finished last. They but did I finish know. last. Like it was, like if you read the Sportsnet article, like 
some of the spots in Central America, like, it was rough. They had yeah, their luggage yeah. stolen. They had, like, literally walked down to stadiums. Like, everything was put against them and stuff like that. They sure, were not on walked out of stadiums or any, uh, like, it was like a school bus that was rickety falling apart to get to certain yeah. places. Rock. It was, yeah, it was. Altitude obscene. and stuff like that. And then the vicious fans, like, fans throwing everything at them like literal sh yeah bodily stuff at them one of the key moments i think that stuck out to me from that 98 run was their games against jamaica because well keep in mind jamaica would ultimately qualify for the 98 world cup i think that's been their only appearance in the tournament Mm. and canada lost their games against jamaica or at least in winham I know that one of those key games was, I think, again, uh, there in in, uh, in Jamaica itself, and they lost pra- rather convincingly. It was one of those key moments where, I rem- when I remember watching it, I knew Jamaica was good enough to make it, and they did. So there's some poeticness. That, that's not really a word. But it's a little poetic that Jamaica, or Canada has a chance to clinch in the next couple hours against Jamaica on home field, just like uh, they did the, in uh, Kingston, I guess, way back when. Yes. So, and make no mistake, I'm I'm very confident that it'll happen in the next couple days. I'm very confident it's going to happen, and quite confident it'll happen today because they're pretty good enough to to at least get a draw and jamaica frankly has struggled in this uh final round and they do and, have the uh home fans uh behind mm-hmm. them unlike in and, and, costa rica and, where it was definitely quite a hostile environment and there and, definitely were some players on the costa rican side basically egging on the canadians even oh, though they, jones, they had they jonesed out that they they hustled for that uh red card against k yeah, basically, we lost a player due to theatrics, in essence. It was yeah. like, they, 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 I'll give them a little credit. They needed that win because they, they remain at least in contention for the four, fourth spot in, at the end of qualifying, which would at least get them into an intercontinental playoff against likely New Zealand. Mm-hmm. At least we think it'd be New Zealand. It was so, kind of interesting because that's the Oceania region. And ironically, there's one country that is technically well it should be in oceana but isn't in the oceana region and, and that's australia for some reason they lobbied, they in, lobbied to get out of there they're they in asia and they're no longer uh in the world cup uh they, because they got beat by uh japan japan, japan well, went to australia and they beat them so yeah and, and yeah on that note japan has qualified for the world cup in the last couple of days yeah they beat the aussies and, in sydney i believe it was and yeah, it was. they qualified yeah, and so it's weird that yeah. they're in the asia region they, they, they thought it would be easier for them to make the world cup if they went into asia i guess the profile is good too but the thing is like when when that happened uh what 10 some odd years ago a lot of canada joked or there was a lot of jokes in Canada that um, the country should try and find should try and transfer from Concacaf to Oceania because all they need to do is just eat one playoff because they were they were, they were at least good enough to get out of Oceania even for as brutal as Canada's soccer team was known to be. So, you know, this is what Australia wants. 
they I think they're good enough to make a make an intercontinental playoff too, but I think that would be against a South American team. Mm-hmm. Or Central America, I think, because the, the intercontinental Central- comes from uh, CONCACAF to face no, Oceania. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, for Oceania. I'm talking about what Australia is facing. Mm-hmm. Australia will face somebody from South America. Oh, wait, they still have the, I think they're the two third place teams in their groups in that zone. They'll face off for the right to take the, the playoff spot. And then that one playoff spot will face somebody from South America. Mm-hmm. So really, Australia did not make it easy for himself. That's another story altogether. Could have been worse. It could have been uh, the Italians. I heard there were quite a oh. few angry Italians uh, on the uh, Thursday and stuff like that. North Macedonia just put a knife through their heart. Wow. You heard you heard about that. Oh, they, about they, that. Didn't quali- saw- they didn't qualify I- for the last World Cup. They win the Euro against England. And now they don't qualify for the oh, World Cup yes. again. It's like, oh, damn! You're feeling, you're saying this so proudly as a as an Englishman, James. Uh, but I think they said that this has kind of happened before and stuff like that. So it's not They're unheard of, history. but it definitely not history. a friendly thing to have happen, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's the third time in history that a team who won the Euro did not make the World Cup afterwards. And I think the the last time that happened, it was Greece. Nobody expected them to win the Euro, so maybe the fact they didn't make the uh, 2006 World Cup afterwards, because they won in 04, nobody would sh- was totally shocked. This uh, yeah. is something else altogether. Uh, yeah, getting into the World Cup from Europe, right? because remember, there's and, a and lot of Italy to miss two, count them, two World Cups. I, I really don't need to finish the sentence, do I? Not really. I think uh, the Portuguese are still in the running and stuff like that. Because no, they, were, actually, they, were, they were like it, Italy. They didn't get out of that first round, and they had to go yeah. to this round to try to get in. And it, Keep in mind, yeah, they were in, their, they were in, a, in a path, as they called it, or a pathway. Keep in mind, if Italy did beat North Macedonia, they would have been facing Portugal for that spot. And that's what they were looking for, the head-to-head, right? So, yeah. And that would have been probably the uh, highlight of this round of qualifying anywhere in the world. Alas, that's not to, ha- not to be. Portugal's not complaining, I guess. Because they beat uh, Turkey 3-1, to one, and we'll face North Macedonia for that spot. North Macedonia, good on them. They will be underdogs against Portugal. But I'm sure Portugal understands that they're capable of an upset, so they'll probably bring their best foot forward. I expect them to to get that spot anyway. So, sport. Uh, anyway, I want to at least acknowledge the uh, soccer stuff here. Yeah, have, I guess we'll see how it goes, but well, uh, it's going to be interesting because yeah, it's going to be in the fall because of where it's being held and. It's another one of those oddball places that FIFA decided to randomly give it to Cotter. Well, and I'm not sure how many fans are going to be traveling to Cotter, to be honest with you. And those stadiums um, are going to be mothballed, just like we've seen before, right? In other places well, like Brazil I mean, and that. Right. I was about to say, well, we, we've done Space Eaters talking at length about the Olympics. So take a lot of that, what we've said about the Olympics when Mo and I talked about it back in the summer. 
and then transfer that o- a lot of that conversation over to FIFA as well. Not all of it. It's not one for one, but we're on the same track here. And remember, they had to get shamed by a lot of people just to say, you know, probably we shouldn't be letting Russia continue on with qualifying, remember? Because mm-hmm. Poland, Czech Republic, like all of them, uh, and I forget, was it Sweden or? No, I think it was Sweden. All of them said because they were in those purviews of having to possibly play them. I think Poland was the next in line. So they get a buy now, but they said, we aren't, we aren't going to play them. We aren't going to play Russia. And yeah. they had to literally be shamed and Oops. say, okay, now second. we will just not, we will disqualify them from holding uh, the Champions League in St. Petersburg. We will disqualify them for qualifying for the World Cup and so on and so forth. But it's crazy mm-hmm. it took them that long to do that. Yeah, that's sort of it. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay. But hey, at least we can watch Canada if they qualify on the TV, right? And I think they'll score a goal, right? Unless they get in the group of death, I think they'll score a goal. How does that sound for a prediction? They they could uh, they could if they're if they're in there and they're on good form, they can probably play with the rest of them, play with the best of them, so to speak. So they they'd be up for that challenge, I'm sure. Like they because they'd have nothing to to lose going in. Uh, and and don't be mistaken. It, what, don't kid yourself. If my opinion is there will be a fair number of Canadian fans to try to venture to to Qatar to if when Canada's there, they will try and see their games. And I'm sure uh, Davies will be there too because he's starting to uh, get better and stuff like that on his end too. And Byron it Munich is, said that as well. Yeah, they are, and it looks like it'll. You know, cross your fingers, he'll be back in April. Cross your fingers that he's good in the long term. Okay, on that note, since Davies got myocarditis with COVID, after having about a COVID, and then people talk about that. Um, or maybe we should save this to the end, because I think uh, it ties in with the stuff we'll talk about concerning the podcast itself going forward when we are done at the end, okay? Uh, Can we save that for a bit later? Sure. Okay, let's get to the anime stuff almost 20 minutes in. So I heard Discotech had uh, a Twitch stream uh, on the 14th. Yes. That was a couple of weeks ago almost. I don't have too many takeaways from it myself. There was some interesting announcements. I I think the big takeaway, the big announcement, was their final announcement. And that was uh, the first season of Digimon being picked up uh, by them to release. And that they're going to use some, um, oh, Astro Res. Remember, they had talked about Astro Res and using it for um, Project Echo before they found those masters. So they're going to use Astro Res on Digimon re- because it yes. is a Digipaint show. And they yeah. were showing what it looked before and after. And so it's going to look yes. pretty good they, when they, they do release really, well, They got really technical again. I mean, it's par for the course for, for Digimon. Or par for the course for anything Discotech does. Right? They, this they will really... be the first release that has an Astro Res uh, finish and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of fans uh, <laughs> that 
are probably going to be happy with this one. Yeah, and it no got the biggest, uh, I think, bump on social media, that's for sure. And they it's, have done a lot of other Western cartoons. Like, they announced Double Dragon in there, too. Yeah, so they're getting say, into that, which is interesting. I was about to say, for the listeners out there, explain Astro Res, who aren't, aren't aware of it. See, that's, like a, it's, it's, uh, it's very hard, because even they admit, and Justin Savakis admits... He's not sure what the heck is going on. It's witchcraft because he said originally they approached Justin Savakis, Media CD, and all of them and said, hey, would you guys like to try this out and use it? And he probably brushed them off like, okay, come on, there's nothing this is going to do. But in essence, it takes those, I guess, DigiPage shows and those SD shows and stuff like that and kind of gives it a new coat of pain and kind of brings out, I guess the um the film or whatever you want to call it and makes it look better and stuff like that and we're i'm not sure what exactly how it works it's like obviously astro as their team they have the more technical know-how and i guess you could look i think they now have a twitter account they do have a website supposedly if you go there and just google astro res probably you could find out the more specifications of how they make it happen but it definitely looks a lot better sometimes when it's doing because it's obviously algorithmic and stuff like that there may be some little things that don't turn out quite like you want but for the most part it looks like the colors are pop, uh, popping better and it looks like you're getting a cleaner more stable yeah, better say, image right clean, no jaggies so to speak mm-hmm. a lot more a lot more fine detail finer details coming yeah out. some details come out with the colors that you didn't really realize before as they say. it's like it's not really upscaling i mean this is better this has the potential to be better than that right just and it, it, it's going to be an probably an important technology because of the way old cartoons especially in the aughts or things in the aughts might have been rendered yeah with- so this type of stuff will be a, this type this technology so astro res could be really important and people said i think Ken, uh roni kenshin the original tele- television series was not was done in a way that it, it wouldn't look good if you attempted to remaster it or for um for blu-ray so it would at best be as uh sdbd yeah right? sd uh blu-ray and so some of those sd blu-rays if you feel you could get the audience and stuff like that and it's worth the push you might give it the Astro Res uh, treatment and try to release it just as a, a Blu-ray, kind of like what they're doing with Digimon, which obviously they have the fans and stuff like that. And it looks like it's coming along quite nicely. And it'll be mm-hmm. their first test case at market. And I'm sure they'll get feedback and learn from it uh, as they go along. And then we'll see what ones they decide to do next, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's, I guess, the the short version of it. Is the is the Twitch stream is that Twitch presentation still up? I know they don't keep them up too long. I think yeah, it might still be up, but you never know. So you can go and try and see if it's still in the archive, and it might be, but it's not a guarantee that it will be there. They talked about other ones, like I know another one that they were going through and doing was uh, Darkstalkers uh, OVA. No, that they one they do. are yeah. doing a new HD upscale and. It's not something I would buy, but I know a lot of people of the Street Fighter variety and of the Fatal Fury variety, they did great Blu-ray upscales of that. It looks like they're doing that again with Darkstalkers, and supposedly uh, 
that one they are soliciting for um, May, and it sounds like already on Amazon.com, it's up there in the sales chart. And that's not anime, that's just in general. So the video games yeah. are still popular. Oh, yeah, still. And the other, um, the other one that stuck out was they picked up the other two Project Echo features. Well, I think they only said, talked about the second one. And the likely scenario is that if you got the first one and it was in the vault, so to speak, that the other two, the second and third one, were in the vault. It was just a matter of time and people were pestering them about it. But they finally announced the second one. It's not going to be as full packed as the first one, but it's still going to be like the dub, the sub, and then the great uh, video quality there. And then uh, as well, they probably are going to have some liner notes and things like that. So that'll be nice. And then later on at some point, uh, they probably have an idea in their internal schedule, but we'll hopefully see uh, the third uh, movie on Blu-ray. I'm sure we will at some point. It just depends how they are able to get things uh, along their schedule because they have a lot to release every month, like five to six discs. And some of them are quite a lot of episodes, like some of those ones like Shaman King and even that Digimon one coming up and even Sergeant Frog, the second set they announced in this stream too. Those ones, some of them are SD on Blu-ray, some of them are Blu-ray, but some of them are like 52 episodes on a disc and that's still a lot to go through. No kidding, yeah. But What was the ultra-violent one that they mentioned? Oh, it wasn't that was, was it? Uh, Violence Jack. And so oh, yeah. Violence oh, Jack was interesting because it's the first time it's going to be uncut and mosaiced, and I feel like when manga you know, did it, they kind of said it was uncut, but it wasn't uncut. And even the DVD they had, I don't think they ever said that it was uncut. But yeah, manga tried to say it because it was quite violent, even with the mosaics and things like that. But this time, uncut, and it's going to be on Blu-ray, and it looks like it's going to be uh, quite good. But I think the announcement, as you said, was interesting because it's so ridiculous. That the best they could do, they had a content warning, but it was just someone cussing out Jack for 10 seconds. Yeah, and, and, they, that, and they joked, I think that's all they can safely show, mm -hmm. right? I mean, when you know something, this is going to be interesting when they say, when you hear the words unmosaiced. Which tells you a lot about, well, okay... What was mosaic? Uh, my, uh, the only other, aside from the obvious, I think the only other time I saw uh, um, anything mosaic in an anime I watched was certain scenes in GTO years ago, and that was just uh, as a parody, right? Just to make fun of it. Yeah, that was as a parody, but these were for the real deal. And I guess the other thing is manga entertainment, <laughs> and then I guess even critical mass right stuff. They had done it as well before well yeah the joke the joke i made years ago was that's the first time i've seen seen a, a mosaic in a regular anime the only other time i've seen mosaic in animes and hentai and and then someone cut me off and said and neil quickly cut me off and said and how would you know that mike <laughs> oh. but they they talked about uh, other things too like uh we heard because there is a tie-in the original Devil Man is coming uh, to Blu-ray, so they're getting old stuff. Some of the streaming stuff they announced before coming, so Kakashi, which had been on Toonami. And then um, two other ones. You know, uh, 
Cyber City Oedo, that was in yeah. the vault. And so they're doing like they did with Angel Cop. They're going to do a steel book of that and release that, and it'll be a really good transfer. They also said uh, the director, that was one of uh, Yosh- Yoshiaki uh, Kawajiri's uh, OVA in film. So Kawajiri is going to be supervising that uh, transfer, the 2K transfer, and they're going to get that out uh, at some point. And then the other interesting thing, because it's a new line for them, Nihon Knights, live action. They're going to be getting back into live action, and that's going to be with uh, Uzumaki, Spiral, the live action that had been done yeah. in the uh, early aughts. This is the same Spiral that was made into an anime years ago? Uh, the same title, or, is it, or it just shares the same title? It's, it shares the books. same title, but that Spiral is a different one. That's a mystery okay. series based off of mine. This one is based off of um, the manga of Junji Ito. So it's a oh, horror, right. yeah. it's a horror uh, movie, horror manga. And the reason why it's good timing is well, Adult we, we, Swim we... is doing uh, an anime of uh, Spiral Uzumaki for this year. And Junji Ito is involved in that too. I was about to say, well, Junji Ito is a thing right now. I mean, you talk about him a lot. Kevin talks about him a lot. And it'll be interesting to see from this what other live-action ones uh, they're going to be bringing uh, to Blu-ray and maybe some other ones they may bring back because they did do the Lupin the Third um, live-action, so maybe they could bring that back too to Blu-ray for the Nihon Knights uh, brand. Well, the sky's always the limit there. But, you you know, it's... But when you think about... Discotech. I was about to say Tokyo Pop. When you think about Discotech, it's they are old school in many respects. They appeal to the the collector as always. It's and they appeal to the that whole Japanese mentality of being of collecting physical items. Right. We I think we've kind of talked about some of those some of those things before like anime anime for as much as it's gotten well into the streaming side. And we're going to talk streaming again in in a couple minutes. It's, you know, the, the, it's real appeal is to it's, you know, very, very well-educated fan base. Right. And they like their physical media. We like our physical media when we can. And definitely uh, with the help of uh, Justin Savakis and the team he has built at Media OCD, uh, they have kind of helped Discotech become that criterion line. And even um, yeah, that's a good word to Tool being in there helping out with notes. And that is a like great that going to uh, Reed Nelson for the Lupin the Third stuff. And even uh, Brady Hartel helping out making their packaging stand out and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great comparison, Criterion. That is a perfect way to put it, actually. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's other ones they had there. Like, it was very packed. Like, the other one they had was the 1980 Astro Boy Astro release, yes. and that's going to come out in May. And it's going to have and, 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 the uh, University the... of Wisconsin dub because that was the authorized one by uh, Tezuka Pro and Tezuka himself. And that supposedly the Cine Lume dub from Montreal is not going to be there. Because I'm going to put it. 
Go ahead. You complete the sentence, but I have a story there. Because I guess uh, they must have, I guess, showed it on uh, Canadian TV and stuff like that. And I guess when they sub-licensed it, they decided, hey, we'll just uh, dub it. And they dubbed it in English and French, I guess. And that's where they did it for Montreal. Yeah, the story there. Okay. This was in the early 80s as well. I remember watching this as an early morning cartoon before going to school. Um, in the, and this was when I was you know, very young. My, uh, my, young, my sister was into watching Astro Boy, and she was in kindergarten at the time, so, and you would only do the afternoon classes. And she would wa- I would have to leave before the episode was done, but she got to watch the whole thing. So this was my, that was my first exposure to Astro Boy in the mid eighties, the dub of this, of this series. Yeah. The color version as they call it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I wondered what happened to it and okay, great. This will be kind of interesting to, to see because, you know, I think one of the catchphrases for discotheque is bringing back your childhood or something like that. Yeah, no, right. they they definitely had everything from every decade. They had some more mecha stuff. They had more stuff that were fan favorites, like Sinfo Gear. They rescued uh, another NISA title that Justin Savegas had worked on in Fuse uh, Memoirs of a Hunter Girl. They did talk about more Lupin, uh, the third stuff about bringing the first part uh, out in May, and then another license that we knew was coming because TMS had already dubbed it and already uh, showed it and sold it uh, through digital things, which was Lupin the third prisoner of the past. And so, and that one has uh, the one opening. I love the one with the voice, like the voiced one, which was from part two. It's the second opening, which is great. So that's a fun one to watch. Uh, Lupin the third prisoner of the past. They talked mm-hmm. about case closed fist of the blue sapphire, which is another TMS one that they had done a dub for uh, through a subsidy of the Japanese government, just like Prisoner of the Past. And so that one's coming from uh, them too. And that one I know has been online from TMS as well. Yeah, it's so it's so fun to, like, I don't watch Lupin, but watching those scenes, it's really cool, really enjoyable to watch. I, I, I wonder about that because you have in that one, ironically enough, you see them running away from Zenigata and stuff like that. He's chasing them. And then you have Fujiko up in this attack helicopter, just throwing yeah. down missiles at this unsuspecting little village to stop Zenigata from going after them. And that village does not look in good shape after she does that. Just it's, a little it, domestic it, it, terrorism. Yeah. It, it was just fun to watch, to say, uh, like, needless to say. Yeah, no, and... I watched it with some people that had bought the... Um, version uh that was like, digital to own and it was a good movie and i watched this because they had sub and the dub and stuff like that and tms has done a lot for lupin where, where, do you know what services they uh bought it from uh probably amazon because i know it was on amazon and stuff like that digital for digital to, own, to right? own yeah and they've done that with some of the um case closed like, movies and special i fully things. admit curiosity it's just i don't give myself time and i'm gonna and i'm increasingly getting less and less time and tms i know for some cons they had done it like us oh we're doing a premiere of this and stuff like that and then later on down the road um discotheque will usually uh, release it that's not a guarantee but they've done that all the time for the case closed movies and for the specials of lupin the third that tms has dubbed 
themselves, and they've done that with the help of the Japanese government through the J-Lot subsidy. And they even did that for the part one, too. Yeah. Of Lupin the Third. Just, there's a part of me that actually wants to go at least on, like, are they, what, what's, are they on any uh, other streaming services right now? Just just jog my no, memory. Those um, ones, unfortunately, are not on the streaming services. Yeah, so you, no. so they, they're but for on the part. Lupin specials, those ones they did for TMS and the um, case-closed uh, Detective Conan movies and stuff like that, they haven't put them on streaming or anything of the sort. Which would have been interesting and cool, and but what can you do? And That's even the, the Lupin the third Part 1, which was interesting and they mentioned in the stream, the one that's on high dive that has the new dub that's going to be on the disc and that um, version of it, the video quality, they upped the video. They went back in again, of course, like they always do for discotheque and up the video quality again. So it's going to look very pristine on that disc. And as they joke, they said TMS for a lot of the loop and stuff and other things they've done with them when they do those kitchen sink type things and, really do good by the video and things like that, they ask them and say, hey, could we have a copy of that for maybe using it in the future for maybe a Japanese release? So they said, that's a nice tip of the cap. Yeah, always is. And then okay. I know they talked about other things. Moncoli Nights, they finally but, got yeah, everything just, uh, together and go through, uh, released go through, it. Um, like, any final takeaways? To, yeah, uh, so Moncoli Nights is finally coming, they said, which is nice. And then the other thing is, they are still, as we saw, releasing uh, Crunchyroll stuff because uh, Homes of Kyoto is uh, coming out uh, later this year, too. So I think there are still some licenses from, uh, or sub-licenses from Crunchyroll that'll come out from them sub-only. I don't think uh, Funimation will affect it too much because obviously Sentai and uh, Viz still have some stuff they have to release from their deals and stuff like that. But I guess we'll see how that all goes. Yeah. And then the questions are always a fun time, right? I'm sure that uh, Kevin and a few of the others, and they answered the Canada question, which is, we'll ask the boss and we'll see how it goes, but it's probably going to be a long solution so. to try and figure out distribution in Canada. And as you probably were talking about, Mike, there were the questions about licenses, even before question time, about ones that you know were never going to be in the cars. I saw people asking about the Hajime no Ippo season two and three that Crunchyroll has. And of course, Monster. They want to know about the Monster anime, and that was never going to be in the cards and stuff like that. I'd say they could get Master Keaton before you get Monster. They could get Yawara before Monster. I would say that too. Oh, boy. Right. I was about to say Yawara at some point. So perfect. Uh, thanks for helping me with that. But uh, it's it's going to be interesting uh, to see what uh, pops up as we go along. But they do have a a great catalog. They are bringing some of their old DVD stuff uh, to Blu-ray, and they're bringing back classics from, as we said, seventies, uh, eighties, nineties, the aughts, and even stuff that hasn't made the jump uh, from the last decade from Crunchyroll over uh, to the fans and given us uh, a good quality uh, for money and stuff like that. And, of it's even the old mecha stuff so they have something for everyone it feels like yeah they do these days but that's that's why it's always a lot of fun to watch their their presentations and as i said there's some very knowledgeable fans who watch it and they're very technically inclined so doing that long con um explanation of astro res 
was I know of fascination to a good chunk of people who watched that because they would understand it. They would get it. And there's still, and since we're at the beginning of the process and Digimon's going to be the first one, it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out and stuff like that. But so far it looks interesting. And they're very impressed too. So I guess we'll see how it goes and uh, maybe we may see it used in other projects too. As they said, it all depends on what they find in the different vaults, right? Because that one vault that Robert Woodhead found and helped uh, Discotech get to uh, found quite a few tiles they thought uh, were never going to be possible to uh, up-res or use uh, in 2K. Yeah, and I guess we'll learn a little bit more about that because they, they really haven't talked about what titles they did find or everything they found in that vault. Yeah, they said there's, just as Vegas increased. said, there's more in the vault, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. so uh, stay tuned. Next stream, maybe uh, in a couple months. Yeah, because oh. as they said, they have, uh, I think, just as they said, uh, Selby, the owner of Discotech, they might have like two years, year and a half of licenses. So they have a lot of licenses they got to go through. And so they have a long timeline of, hey, this is what we have to get out and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to see how that plays out, right? Right, exactly. I'm I'm really curious. And I think these presentations... They kind of really start happening during the pandemic, but expect it to be something you'll hear uh, or see a lot more of anyway. No, and I think they said they'll continue on along with uh, the panels when uh, Mike Tool goes to different cons and stuff like that. They said, obviously, we'll be at Otacon again, but they might you might see them at some other cons, depending on how the schedules uh, turn out, right? Right. Okay, you want to move on? Yeah, we can move, uh, move on to uh, Sony Crunchyroll uh, Funimation or whatever we're calling it, the uh, one-eyed monster or whatever. Well, at least since you want to use uh, the metaphor of a monster, uh, somebody you want to get out of the way of it, I guess, this week. So word came down this week that Crunchyroll will... Pull, or some title, a handful of titles will be pulled from the Crunchyroll service by the end of this month, which is in a couple days' time. And that's the uh, first one, and that is in relation to a lot of Sentai Filmworks titles. Pretty much all of them are Sentai Filmworks titles that are coming off of um, Crunchyroll. Not all of the titles Sentai either previously had or has are coming off, but a good chunk of them are leaving and stuff like that. And some of them are stuff like To Love Grew, School Live, um, Kids on the Slope, uh, Himoto Umaru Channel. So there's some smaller titles, bigger titles, and stuff like that. But it's, Food Wars is the one that caught my attention. But it's a sizable chunk. There are some other ones. Oh yeah, Monster Musume is on there. So there's a lot of things, and some of them have been on there for a while. But they're all still on High Dive. So I think some of it too is... AMC, they've probably closed that deal and stuff like that. And it's a matter of trying to drive traffic to their service, I think, too. Yeah, and to, and to make it look more desirable for um, their eventual rumored sale as well. And then there is um, the other thing, of course, that there are still some titles. So I'm guessing depending on what contracts they had for the sub license for streaming, at some point, some more titles may come off and then they'll still be on high dive. There are some titles, don't forget, though, that it is an 
from Sentai. It's probably from the studio. Like, you know how you go into Crunchyroll? It gives you an idea of where that license came from. So sometimes they'll get from the Japanese themselves. So, for example, Space Brothers is still on Crunchyroll. And I think that was from TV Tokyo or the Japanese licensor themselves. And then um, Sentai did have the license, but supposedly at the moment it's not on High Dive, so they don't have the license for the TV series anymore. And they've discontinued the Blu-rays and DVDs for that. So the only way to watch is on Crunchyroll. So luckily there are still a few things from them on there, but that's from the Japanese licensors themselves. Yeah. Like Space. Well, I guess we shouldn't have been too surprised. Yeah, I figured Uh, this would happen at some point, right? So. I mean, things uh, with all streaming services, things go on and off from them, right? I mean, we're talking rather spectacularly. Disney put up some of their back, put are starting to put up their uh, Marvel series that they did with Netflix uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, if I'm if I'm hearing that correctly, they're just not they're just putting so not barely mentioning the Netflix involvement because I think they were producers at the time. Yep, and uh, we'll see. Uh, some of that, more of that, I guess, will come even as they add the age gate and stuff like that on there for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it, it, as I said, it just doesn't really surprise anybody. Or, I, okay, any of us who would be regularly around the table, we kind of get this as business. So it it it, it kind of doesn't really neuter or do anything really horrible to to Crunchyroll. They have plenty to work with anyway. And they still have other uh, licensors uh, that aren't obviously in the streaming sphere that will give them uh, content, stuff like that, through sub-licenses. Like Discotech has not all their titles are out there for stream, but they give stuff to Crunchyroll, to Retrocrash, and stuff like that. And then uh, Noizomi, which is right stuff, they still give stuff to them as well, uh, and to uh, Retro Crush, and even on their YouTube channel. Yeah. And so, when Funimation so was still, well, they're still streaming Funimation, but they had given stuff to Funimation as well in regards to right stuff as well. So, yeah. I'm sure those relationships will continue and stuff like that. But if you have a streaming platform already, then it probably didn't make sense for them, even with the bigger footprint of Crunchyroll. And that's even bigger now because of merging in Funimation to have that there and say, okay, we'll just put it on to high dive. And the other thing is those licenses, it's interesting how it affects because some of them might not have been just us and Canada. They might've been other regions too. So that would probably hurt them more is that those other regions would lose uh, those titles percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a interesting perspective to take because Crunchyroll is very much a global brand. That's why, Sony opted to go with that name going forward instead of Funimation. Okay. I mean, I got into I got into uh, conversations with the, um, with some of my younger colleagues about that. They they don't really recognize like we're of a vintage. Me and you, James, we've been around long enough. Although I've been around long enough to remember watching the Astro Boy series. I was going to say, I'm sure they don't remember Pioneer and Genion and Bandai and ADV mm-hmm. and it goes on and on Steamline. Right. Yeah. And they're so we understand those brands, those names, and recognize them and maybe some of their historical significance to fandom, Funimation being the original, like being Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. And you, you had and, shown that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of younger fans, I would say, yeah. 
who are or recent fans wouldn't really understand the history of a name like Funimation nearly as much. So they're not so they're not surprised that at all that it was Crunchyroll. Frankly, I'm not either. I'm not totally sure. I, I, I think a lot of us were surprised, as we said, it was the international play and stuff like that. Some other mm-hmm. people tried to say there were other things at play that maybe Funimation was a more tarnished brand and stuff like that. But I think they wanted the more international brand, and that was Crunchyroll. They wanted, yeah, and I think they also wanted to appeal to that a demographic. And I think it's the push towards streaming as well. And you could see that in a few things, like there were other announcements this week, like they had these solicitations for Funimation for June for their physical media. And we found out Funimation as a physical media brand as of June is no more. It's Crunchyroll solicitations. And so they don't have any Funimation like name or logo or anything on the packaging for June. As of June, it's the Crunchyroll branding on everything. And the other interesting thing was, you know how we had talked about they had moved away from DVD, um, Blu-ray combo packs, and they were doing uh, Blu-ray and a digital code in each uh, physical package. On those June uh, releases for physical media, there is nothing about digital, just as Blu-ray. So maybe they're going to phase out those digital codes as of June, and they will transfer over the stuff from Funimation to Crunchyroll, but it's only to do those existing digital codes and stuff like that that they had done under Funimation. They aren't going to do it anymore, which is interesting if that is how it's going to play out. Probably, you know, you... uh consumers always want more so i don't think it, it there'll be some discontent i think it, it was funny because i always saw the odd i think in the funimation facebook group uh, a fan group i would always see somebody put up digital code saying okay yeah a lot of people would trade their codes and stuff like that and say hey do you want this code because they're like i'm already subscribed so why do i need this code so they would try to give it off to someone else some people would sell them some people were very nice people and they give them for free do a person a favor well it was funny because some of them said i don't know exactly know what this is but it's free for the first person who says it. and then i see in the replies cool thanks and then they mentioned the title so it's just that's just the latest development in in the whole Funimation Crunchyroll saga as Sony as Sony is pulling the strings behind the background. It's interesting it is, though too because the June solicitations there were only five titles for their June solicitations, and that's very rare for them. Usually they have a lot more, and they also have a lot of essential releases or re-releases along with their new releases they didn't have any re-releases it was just five new titles so it's interesting to see if they're getting the feet wet and then they're going to ramp up again stuff like that i guess with branding as crunchyroll and stuff like that it'll be interesting to see how re-releases go yeah well i was about to say it isn't just the re-releases remember um Back on St. Patrick's Day, I don't know if I forwarded you, forwarded you the article, uh, James, the, the Variety article that talked a, a little bit more at length about about the crunchy about the Crunchyroll changes. Yeah, no, I remember uh, seeing that one as well, and I think we had talked about it. There was some interesting uh, language, and I think we had heard that from Colin Decker as well, yes. who was head of, fu- of Funimation, which is now. 
Crunchyroll. That he's now like CEO or general manager of Crunchyroll now, not of uh, Funimation. Yeah, it was it was one quote that stuck out to me uh, when they talked about doing all this, and uh, and it kind of hints as to what they think will happen to the streaming service going forward as well. And it's this quote: "The thesis is quite simple. We aspire to be everything." to someone, not something to everyone. We've always been by and for yep. anime and fans talked and creators. About after that, Decker Remember said, when we talked about more common the with fans purchase. Of the NFL than users of Netflix. We, and they've always talked about that, about mm-hmm. they know anime and stuff like that, and they're going after those hardcore fans and stuff like that. Yeah, which is, a, which is still a dedicated group. May not be the most lucrative group but it's dedicated with a lot of latent potential right i would think anyway but and we talked we talked at length about this over the over the pandemic series about you know hook them young get those get that uh, young demographic and remain and make sure they are remain loyal as they grow older and gain more spending power and pass it on to the next and have their families pass it on to the next generation, which is where, you know, we're seeing to some degree now, right? And he talks about it too. He says it's like a lifestyle and stuff like that for some people. And that's what they're trying to go after and stuff like that too, with not just the streaming and the uh, Blu-rays and that, but also obviously the merch and stuff like that and video games and things like that. So kind of like Japan, right? With the media. It's it's the strategy we constantly talk about, right? Well, yeah, they're bringing that strategy over here in many respects. Kind of like uh, we just kind of hinted at, touched on it a little bit with uh, with Discotech too. It's how do I put this? Well, it, it does. Uh, remember when we talked when we talked about the purchase last year i also hinted okay could this also be a, a springboard for sony to want to be able to do some of their more mainstream stuff to use crunchyroll as that platform for you know as a streaming platform for their more mainstream stuff i think that quote stuck out to me because i think it throws cold water on that theory and i guess the thinking my i'm i'm shifting my thinking to think any of their more mainstream stuff and when i talk mainstream we can also talk about their video their their um movies based on their video game ips aside from their big budget films it sounds like they'll just shop them around more so but stick with the uh, stick with uh, crunchyroll being very much for anime fans and things that they feel that would appeal to those fans to their core demographic there yeah, they, they talk it's about that throughout, right? And stuff like that mm-hmm. about how the big boys, quote unquote, tend to be hit focused like Netflix and stuff like that. But if you're a true anime fan, Crunchyroll is the only game in town. And we've heard kind of quotes like that coming out of Crunchyroll. And some of that is kind of, you kind of worry about that. It's kind of like the uh, Bandai visual. Remember, we know anime fan wants. It almost feels like that in some degree. You think you think this could uh, do you think this could blow up in their face, the strategy? Like I think they will still have people to go to them. They're gonna have most of the big titles and stuff like that. And they also are able uh, and some of the Japanese I'm sure do not like it, where 
they put out a call for bidding and stuff like that, and they probably hold their feet waiting to see where it is and then try to bid just enough above and stuff like that so they're not, like, pricing themselves out too much. You know what I mean? Spending too much money. Mm. But the I other mean, thing, I mean, too, is it goes into the last thing we're looking at, or we had talked about, is Crunchyroll now uh, getting rid of ad-supported streaming, starting with the spring season. That came down this week. That came down, that announcement came down this week. And that's an interesting one on a few fronts. So some of their back catalog stuff like that, it's not going to affect that. But for simulcast, starting with spring 2022, you will only get three episodes, the first three episodes, ad-supported. And then if you want more, you're going to have to pay them. And the other interesting factor to factor in is, remember, for Canada, a lot of ours, they did it way, way before, where if you want to get stuff in Canada, you pretty much have to pay because ad-supported here means, okay, you got it a week after, but then after a few weeks, all those simulcasts disappear behind the paywall, so to speak, because our ad revenue wasn't good enough. And I think... Um, Jesse Betteridge, I think he's talked about before and stuff like that, has noted, and I've seen it too, Canada is the only region they did that to for ad support stream. They never did it to any other region in the world and stuff like that. That was probably even smaller than Canada, right? Well, yeah, because, well, really, really, there's a, you can say, what's the point in a with a bunch of different angles? Canada doesn't have the doesn't with a, for its population it's still big but it doesn't draw you much so what's the point point? and then small uh, other regions outside of the aside from the US other regions you can make the argument go the other way saying what's the point they're too small can't draw anything out of it we'll just do their ads anyway and some of it i know there's been discussion on them uh halting ad support going forward now obviously at some point i think if they're doing this starting with the 2022 spring season going forward at some point i wouldn't be surprised if it then applies to the back catalog for everyone as well and it's interesting they probably looked at the numbers to say this is probably for the best because remember i think as of august 2021 they had put out statements saying they had five million paying subscribers and that they had 120 million registered users. Of the 120 million registered users, 5 million are paying subs, right? So that mm -hmm. means 115 million at that point, probably more now. But then the other question is, how many of those are not ghost accounts? How many of those are actually using their accounts to watch through ads and stuff like that? Because I know some people have said they haven't been happy with the ad support service work. They're going through, it, it and it's drive the same nuts, ad, it? and it's like on constant agnosium, and it's at random parts. Uh, anecdotally, it might have been why I ended up subscribing. Oh, so out of those, how many again? I would have 115 many? million, I would say, because 5 million were uh, paid subscribers. Yeah, well, among those 5 million, I, I think we're, both, we're two of them. But I know the other thing, too, as well, is that... Some of them probably, if they weren't doing that, as they said, they were then going to pirate their anime and stuff like that. And some of them were obviously outside the U.S. and stuff like that because they weren't going to put up with that. And so 
it's hard to say. I don't think if they weren't going to do it before, they probably aren't going to pay now. But uh, we'll see how that plays out for them. I think probably uh, even without the ad revenue, they're probably still going to be okay. It'll be interesting in the future if they do like Disney Plus and a few others have talked about, which is at a tier, right? A very bottom tier where you pay a bit, but you still have to watch some ads and stuff like that. The closest I think we have of that in Canada is um, just Crave, which is essentially the uh, Canadian rights holders to HBO Max here and Showtime in Canada. They added, they kind of adjusted their tiers. So their lowest tier, their $10 tier, which only at the time only got Showtime. Now they, they adjusted it so that the $10 tier can get HBO, HBO programming as well, but you can only use it on mobile devices. The $20 tier will get you everything, will get you Showtime, HBO, but and then you can use those on streaming devices and on televisions, ultimately. And that's the thing, too, right, is depending on do you then uh, restrict it for certain devices and stuff like that? Because some of them, as they say, that may go the pirate route or watching free, they may not be watching it on those higher-end devices. They're probably maybe on their telephone or stuff like that, or maybe... They are on the PC, but it's not as big a screen and stuff like that compared to those who are paying and stuff like that. Another factor might be, hey, the app is in other places. Hopefully they will ramp up because supposedly some smart TVs do not have um, Crunchyroll on it. But I know Roku, uh, those that have the Roku TV in or the Google um, Play on the TVs. I know Sony uses Google Play for their smart TVs. They have a country roll on there and a lot of people, it's like, hey, I'll pay. And that way I can actually watch it on the big screen and stuff like that. And, get, you know, what I mean, get that bigger yeah, experience well, than what you used to. Mm-hmm. And just to add further to it, just just to give another example one more time, and then maybe we'll just move on again after this. Apple, Apple Music announced a similar thing because they announced a, a lower tier. I think it's a I don't know how much it is, but I don't think it's the. Or uh, the ten dollars tier, so we're talking, I think, five six dollars. But but you can only access the access it through smart speakers, through their smart speakers, right? Through um, HomePods, I think they are. But uh, it's but, and it, but but the thing is, you can't uh, you can't use the interface. You can't use any mobile uh, any um. You can't use your phone or iPad interfaces that that it that you would um, typically use with Apple Music. You, you can only access it through your voice. Okay. So you can't you can't use the you can't use the interface. You can't use your phone to interact with it. But Sorry. There's a lot of interesting uh, factors, and I've been uh, toying around with some of the stuff that has moved from Funimation to Crunchyroll. And oh yeah, and even, we were talking about home video versions and things like that, and how a lot of them that were from recent simulcast had come over. Another problem is the simul dubs. I was looking at Jobless uh, Reincarnation, and I was watching the dub of that. On the Funimation thing, they have everything uh, properly translated when they switch to different languages, like the Beast language or the Demon language. But on Crunchyroll, all you do is you hear them in that foreign language and then have the subtitles in Japanese. They don't have the English subs like they do on Funimation. So they got to figure out a way to get the proper uh, subs where they need them and stuff like that on some of that stuff as well. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that could take, and if 
someone has enough things against them, they're just going to say, F it, I'm going to go and pirate. And some of those people that might have been free to try something out or take a look if the ads turn them off or what have you, they might have just already been pirating anyway if they were in other countries and even in North America as well, for as all we know. Right. But, but you know, this is as, you know, we're, we're in, a, so to speak, uncharted territory in many respects. I guess it's kind of like a pendulum in a way because I laughed at some of the comments I've heard here and there where they said, originally when Crunchyroll started, they drove people to piracy. And now guess what they're doing now? They're driving people to piracy, but who knows? It's a full circle uh, concept, I guess. Yeah, I think they'll still uh, have enough and they'll still probably get a few more subscribers that come to them that have come from Funimation and Wakanim and maybe some others that decide, you know what, I'll give them a, a little more and stuff like that, since it'll be the only streaming service, right, that a lot of people would stream. In that sense. So, Because if they had to pick between streaming services, they might say, I'm just going to pick this one, and then the other one, I'll find another way to uh, get that content otherwise. And sometimes that comes from sharing with family members, which sometimes that does go against uh, terms of service. I know it does for Crunchyroll, but even that, they're finding loopholes, I'm sure. Oh, you're, you're, Netflix with them testing yeah, that in Central American uh, countries for the extra fees. Yeah, yeah, so I'll say that and because Neil, I share my password with Neil. Neil, when you, if you hear this, you owe me a coffee every month. Extra large. Or I'll change the passwords. Um, okay, can we... Um, before we uh, start, really close on the close up on the uh, Sony side. Let's look. I, I do want to look ahead to this week because rumor is coming out. It's it's not really anime related, but it's certainly still on the Sony bandwagon. You know where you think you know where I'm going, uh, James? I'm talking about right. Spartacus, right? Right. So the rumor is Spartacus will be unveiled this week, and the speculation is high that that'll happen and the speculation once again is out as to exactly what it'll entail so i think it's like a three-tier system and it sounds like they're not doing what microsoft has been doing because remember a lot of the big microsoft titles they've put on game pass day one and stuff like that and that's a competitive advantage because it sounds like sony isn't going to go that route for their first party titles the big ones yeah, and and uh, the latest God of War is apparently amongst that, right? So what, what would the so essentially it would be a merger of plus and now, right? Yes, correct. And so and, we'll see how it plays out. But at the moment, it's still a rumor until something comes down the pike, whether it's a state of play or whatever. We'll see how it goes, and then maybe in the future, as we said, remember how we said how is I guess now Crunchyroll, since that's what. Uh, all of their anime holdings now is Crunchyroll, how that's going to factor in and stuff yeah, like that. I mean, if that's going to factor in I was really curious. later down the line. I don't think it'll factor in in the next year, but maybe 2024 or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to ask you, okay, so with all these, with all that's going on on the Crunchyroll side, could this figure into their, into the PlayStation services? Because we've constantly talked about Okay, it hasn't happened yet. It's meant to be, we keep hearing about anime being a big pillar, the fourth pillar, I think it was the term, in, in PlayStation's uh, strategy going forward, 
PlayStation's plans going forward. So surely Crunchyroll would have something to do with, uh, would roll into PlayStation services in some formal way. We haven't seen it to this point, but because of all the um, uncertainty, so to speak, going on in the, uh, on that side of the equation with, with, um, with now the, the rolling of uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation and all the consolidating going on there, maybe it's not ready. So just to just to repeat, you don't see it happening yet into the subscription services, but there's you could a see lot it. to be done, as we said, because we talked you about a lot of things, and there's still uh, balls in the air to get done. So even so by the end it, of the year, that's a lot to get done. Yeah, you could see it eventually happening, just not this year, much less this week. Yeah, less next year even, because we got to see yeah. how it goes, and I'm guessing it depends um, how it works out. Is it going to be tied to just PS4 and PS5? Are they going to allow streaming to PC and stuff like that? Because remember, Game Pass, you do PC and, oh, yeah, and the, to uh, the different Xbox uh, family members and stuff like that, Series X and then S and stuff like that. Yeah, right? real, cloud, real cloud streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, I'll be curious. And it'll depend and, on the quality too, because it's still in its infancy for the streaming of video games. And we've seen even on the sw- Switch with some of those ones, the quality sometimes isn't quite there. It's it's still suspect. And even Google has given up on uh, Stadia and stuff like that. So we'll have to see how it plays out between Microsoft and Sony, because these are the two that are going to probably push that forward. Mm-hmm. Well, as I said, we I've always talked about, okay, in some ways they are competitors, but their focuses are, their long-term focuses are on other aspects too, right? Like real, like, I think my, uh, we talked about Microsoft also with, with the uh, Activision Blizzard part purchase, really wanting to branch away, branch their gaming side into, you know, post-console. Like we talked about post-console strategies for Sony and Microsoft at length, mm-hmm. right? Just to just to as a repeat, and listeners can re-listen to those episodes again. Our thoughts, or at least certainly my own thoughts about it: Microsoft wanting to be less console oriented and really push themselves into other avenues, maybe back into the PC side, certainly more certainly more into the mobile side. Whereas Sony, their their post console strategy. Maybe more anime centric, and as I said, we we can have that debate again because it's a it's still a fascinating topic. I think we can talk about it again at uh, at length at another point when we when a few more things became become clear as time goes. Right, James? Yeah, we'll see uh, how it all falls out and stuff like that. And as we've heard, like there's tons of rumors and stuff like that that goes on even on the video game side and none of it uh, comes uh, to pass or sometimes it's months down the line stuff like that and sometimes things can happen in the world that cause things not to be announced like i know a lot of people are still hoping for goldeneye uh, remaster on xbox and then goldeneye on n64 uh, for the expansion plus on nintendo switch to be announced at some point because that's been heavily mo- rumored since the beginning of the year. But given uh, the way the world is at the moment, I'm not sure if Goldeneye is going to be there uh, in the next few months. It'll probably be later on because of uh, what's happening in uh, Ukraine and Russia. Because remember, uh, Russians factor heavily into that movie, into Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah. 
kind of a sensitive time right now. Okay. So, oh yeah, and then of course, um, just as a quick aside, and I maybe we'll talk about it uh, later on. Remember, um, MGM was formally sold to Amazon this week as well, or was it last week? But that yep. deal, that deal was finally. Uh, and that means uh, James Bond uh... is now. Uh, yeah, James Bond is with that smile. Okay, so one other thing, um, one other piece of news before we uh, really uh, talk about where we're going as well. Anime North. I guess we have to once again risk our uh, risk our status just to talk about them for a couple minutes because you know we're if nothing else it's we're here to just stir that pot. They did make their announcements on their first two guests of honor for uh, this year's edition. Two vo- two English voice actors, Richard Epcar, Ellen Stern, were announced. I mean, I'm just looking at the uh, ad right now, and I did see the uh, news. I didn't really get a chance to look at it. Too long. Um, do you have a word about that, or should we just save that for uh, a, a longer discussion? We can probably save it for another time. It's like I expected they would have uh, not just oh. maybe some Canadian guests, but maybe some American guests. But I figured if they are able to get a Japanese guest, it's probably going to be a virtual uh, showing, so to speak. Because I, think I was about to say, if they got, yeah, and I, I was about to say if they got a Japanese guest, it would be considered a minor miracle. Uh, and I'm not sure about uh, the U.S. because obviously we have some other cons that are going to be in person that are coming up. And I haven't really checked to see uh, what type of guest lineup they have, if they've been able to get a Japanese guest or not. And if a lot of them are going virtual for that, because I have a feeling this year you'll see a lot of virtual Japanese guests until maybe the next year, till everything kind of flows to more of a normalcy or to a spot where everyone feels comfortable. And then the other thing is they ha- don't have to just get out of Japan. They have to get back into Japan, right? So yeah, we don't have just restrictions for the country they're going to, but also Japan as well, because they have to get back yeah. in the country. Um, I, I, we, I think we joked around uh, last episode. Okay. We mentioned that another set of registrations were about to start last episode. We were on concerning comic market at uh, anime North. And I talked with, uh, I talked with Squirrely about that briefly. And the sense they're getting is, sounds like there's a lot of rolling over for next year. And that's what they had been saying that a lot of those same people they had uh, in place of rollovers. So I'd say most of the people who want to get in, I think are relatively safe. It's just a matter of how they feel about, um, the mid-July dates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's uh, there's that. And obviously, we'll uh, see to our duties uh, as an official podcast of Anime North. We're still, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in, you know, when, when, when we, uh, when things uh, continue to clear up. According to the uh, Anime North website, we are 110 days away from the 25th anniversary of Anime North, July 15th to the 17th. Okay, so before we go, let's uh, do some house cleaning here, James. Um, 
Where do we, uh, where do I start? Uh, where do I want to start with the uh, house cleaning here? Quick COVID update. I guess we should do that. We are, like, there isn't really much to add in terms of the COVID stuff. I, I mean, I hope things are well in your part of the world. Things are at least calm on this side, although there's, with a lot of restrictions being lifted over the last number of weeks, there are some, there are a little, a few concerns now concerning, you know, will there be another rise in cases? I think hospitalizations have gone, are down again today, but there is still a concern. What does it mean going forward? I think, you know, I think the recent history of the pandemic has stated that whenever restrictions have been eased in any form, there's always an uptick of some sort. So the real question this time around is if there is to be, or when they're with this latest uptick, and I think that's, there's a certain inevitability about that. How much can our, can medical systems handle? Can, how much can the healthcare system handle? Can they handle it effectively? And, you know, because that's the question that has to be answered. And that's the question between that will determine whether or not restrictions return, much less lockdowns. There is, there's this talk about another variant that's there that may not be serious, uh, that really would be a concern to people who haven't been properly vaccinated. And I guess we'll just wait and see how that kind of goes around. But it's uh, but I will tell you now, as um, as the OGs of this podcast, me and James, the the easing of restrictions will also affect this podcast. Over the last num uh, over the time of the pandemic series. Um, especially within the last, oh, six months, we've um, tried to increase a little bit more of the quality and, you know, just invest a little bit more. If many of you, many um, hardcore listeners probably noticed there's a slight change in terms of the podcast host. Over the last couple of weeks, we moved away from SoundCloud and now the show is now on Captivate. We'll put a link, uh, a direct link up to the episode's as they are on the our Captivate website, ca- uh, animeroundtable.captivate.fm. I'm still kind of trying to learn a little bit of the the lay. Yes, I know, understand. I could have we or there could have been cheaper services to be had, but I just like the support services that Captivate offered. And I'm looking at the analytics. They at least they're not. Of course, the numbers are low, but. Uh, at least I feel they're more legit as well. And then on top of, well, atop from the plans to eventually do streaming, I know we haven't gotten around to that a lo- nearly as much with the inve- with uh, buying a subscription on some uh, stre- streaming, uh, live stream platforms and the purchase of the new board, the Roadcaster. So yeah, the changes are still in play. It's just now there's a little bit more of a time frame to go. Um, on a personal note, uh, we um, I've made the uh, reference to not being not regularly having work over the uh, past couple years as the pandemic has gone on. That's facilitated essentially the existence of this pandemic series. And by my count, we started the pandemic series 
at episode 18 of this current run of the podcast. We are all the way up to episode 64 in regular episodes, but then you put aside all the other recordings we've done. So we are talking more than 50 recordings easily, probably um, more than 60 now uh, by my count or by my estimate. Uh, You tell me if I'm wrong, James. That probably sounds about right. We did do a lot of recordings and we were doing uh, more than a few times a month. So. Yeah, and we I do apologize. We are taping this two weeks after we did episode 64. And just I, I'm just going to ask the um, listeners to bear with us for just a little bit. Because, well, as I said, I never made it a secret that I, I wasn't really working. That changed this week when my regular job called me back. So I'm back there now. And if I'm not going to hint what that job is, we've talked about it before. I've talked about, I've mentioned it in the past, or at least in one episode. But it is uh, the type of business that will um, just adjust the way we're going to do the show for the next little bit. Until uh, and so, just like everything else we've talked about in the world, whether it's the regular world, the anime world. Our own worlds, everything is still moving, a lot of moving pieces. So just bear with us. The end result for this podcast right now is we just don't have a firm schedule as to when we're going to be able to tape episodes. We got lucky today that we're able to tape anything. And that James had a little bit of time in his afternoon to be able to uh, chat for a chat behind the beside the space heater for a bit. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot again, as always, James. Yeah, that's uh, no problem. And one day uh, we'll uh, get together and maybe do something on Twitch. As you said, then we'll power up that PS5 of yours. Yeah, well, there's still, we still, I still plan to, and we'll still, uh, I still want to take some time to at least introduce, like, give my impressions of how the PlayStation 5 is working out for me. It's just, uh, on another personal level, uh, James, um, I think I gave myself Nintendo thumb or a video game thumb because, um, you know, my, uh, the meaty part of my palm below my thumb and then my wrist, it started to hurt for a couple, for about a week. So I kind of messed it up. Uh, well, Streets of Rage 4 is a button masher, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So uh, then I did myself no favors. I haven't, I haven't really picked it up si- uh, since, so we haven't really done that. And my my hand is long recovered in that sense, but uh, we want to. I will give a chance to play with that. And as I said, we're going to try and uh, clear up, you know, what the story is for us, and we'll try and, you know, set something to be able to tape another episode in the very near future. There will be uh, something. It's just that we're trying to just sync our schedules properly to be able to do it. So as I said, just. Bear with us just for a little bit. It might be a little, uh, another week or two before we uh, do another episode. So I apologize to our listeners. I apologize to you, James. I apologize to you and the other, uh, you, Kevin, Mo, and um, Jeff on this one. So just uh, bear with me and and then maybe we we're, we're able to make our schedules work together. And I know behind the scenes, there's other stuff going on. With the end of uh, our SoundCloud subscription, 
there's a bunch of broken links on the on our website. We are looking to fix that. We are also looking for a refresh of the website. That's why I'm mentioning the uh, Captivate website right now. So people can at least see the episodes as they are there. And uh, I never got around to actually updating any li- any links there for at least the last five episodes. So there's a bunch of uh, other things we uh, have to do, but life, once again, is getting in the way. What does this mean for the podcast? Well, I think I kind of said that. We have every intention to continue. No problem there. I'm going to stop short of saying this is the end of the pandemic series, though. Because that's to also say, to be ignorant of what the what's going on in real life, this the pandemic series is frankly ongoing. Because the pandemic is ongoing. So as I said, we just ask to ask uh, ask both of our listeners for a little bit of uh, patience for the next little bit. James, do you want to add anything to this, or have I said? Or have I, because I feel like I've spoken too much in the last 10 minutes. No, I, I think you hit all the uh, points, as they say. It's, uh, you had to kind of go with the flow at the moment. And uh, a lot of people are getting back to uh, more regular schedules they had before we went uh, into the pandemic. And uh, so we're going to see uh, how that all affects us. And obviously, I guess we're probably going to still do it virtually to a certain degree. But at some point, maybe we're going to try and get together uh, at Mike's place or at some spot to maybe do a physical uh, recording. That might not happen until Anime North, but we'll see yeah, what happens. Anime North, but I, I have ever, there's like, there is a, uh, to answer the yes or no on whether or not we'll do a, an episode in person, the short answer before the end of 2022, yes. We just don't know exactly under when and, and under what circumstances. Hopefully the latest is, is Anime North, but like I said, Lots going on. But uh, just know we have every intention to be around. Hopefully I can do a stream and maybe I can introduce, uh, show you the PS5, uh, James. Uh, maybe we'll talk again a little, for a little bit if, if that announcement is made uh, from Sony. We can at least um, digest it a little bit uh, on air or something, right? Yeah, I'll wait and see uh, when that happens. As they say. I know there's rumblings but there's always rumblings uh, on the video game scene as we know so you just take everything yeah. with a grain of salt and see how all the chips fall right i'm still looking forward to seeing what happens in the coming week and in the weeks to come but i think that's the chat for today, for uh for this afternoon so where can they uh, find us mike since we had mentioned captivate but what other uh places may people find us Let's, uh, I'll mention the Captivate uh, site for the podcast again. AnimeRoundtable.Captivate.FM If you want something a little bit more detailed about our with our show notes and really the other stuff that away from the podcast, AnimeRoundtable.com is our website. As I said, it's a little bit... It's always been not really updated. It's hopefully going to be refreshed real soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, we have our guys working on it. Thanks a lot, Mo. Oh, I thought you were going to say you have your top people working on it. Well, he is our one. He is our top guy. 
in that respect. He's, in, he's, in that. In, he's in the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse, just getting things yeah. done. Oh, he's he's doing. Yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, kept uh, kept uh, kept us up to date. He's done, and I know he's he's doing a good job there. So uh, animeroundtable.com. You can email us animeroundtable at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Roundtable. And just because um, we're going to be, we're going to do, we have to do something there sooner or later. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Anime Roundtable. And we do have a YouTube channel as well. But uh, as for the podcast, once again, wherever you're listening to this podcast, and if possible, give us a review. Because uh, reviews will always help us in the algorithm, and good reviews will help us maybe find people who wouldn't have known about this show before. And then at this point, Kevin would say, you know. Well, I think Kevin would say that you uh, give us five stars. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, and as much as I'm saying we may not be able to do any, add anything in the next at least week, we will, we always endeavor to add something as often as possible. So. Regardless of where you're hearing this or listening to this or watching this, wait, well, there's no visuals for this one. Give us a follow or a, subs- or a uh, subscribe, hit that button. So you can be informed of whenever we add anything to whatever platforms we're on. So that, that's the chat. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again, hopefully, for episode 65.